this habit in order to enhance your success. 12. Always say yes. To really go at it in life and in business, you have to say yes to everything. It's something you'll see successful people do time and again, not because they can, but because they choose to say yes. They eagerly engage in life and realize the word yes has more life and possibilities in it and is clearly so much more positive than no. When a client asks me to do something, I say yes, I'll be happy to, I'd love to, I want to make it work for you. I have a saying, I never say no until I have to. It's a great way to tell someone no, that is, if you absolutely must later. When given an option to do or not do, always say yes. Life is to be lived, something that becomes impossible to do when you're constantly saying no. Although many suggest it's critical to know what to say no to, the reality is most people don't venture out enough and don't experience enough in life with yeses. They refuse to take on new things and experience as often as they should. You know that you have an automatic no in you all ready to go, one that's backed up with a hundred reasons why you should say no, why you can't, why you shouldn't, why you don't have time to do something. Give this a try. Say yes for now until you become so successful that you're forced to add no to your arsenal. And then you have to start managing your time and efforts with no's. Until then, until you're so successful, make yes part of your successful habits. Say yes to your kids, your spouse, your clients, your boss, and most importantly, say yes to yourself. It will propel you to new adventures, new solutions, and new levels of success. 13. Habitually commit. The successful fully and consistently commit to activities, some of which requires them to put all on the line. This goes back to the concept of being all in that I described earlier. It also relates to the operating with some level of danger and refusing to play it safe. Look, unsuccessful people rarely commit to anything entirely. They're always talking about trying. And when they do commit, it's normally in destructive acts and habits. Commitment is actually one of those things of which there is a massive shortage. Far too many individuals and organizations fail to ever commit fully to their activities, duties, their obligations, and responsibilities to ever see anything through all the way. To acquire success, it is vital that you quit testing the water's temperature. You simply must jump in. Devoting yourself to something all the way means that there's no backing out. It's just like when you jump into a body water. Once you decide to go for it, you cannot stop yourself midair. See, I would prefer a person who's able to fully commit over one who is completely educated about the right way to do it. Commitment, by definition, is pledging him or herself completely to a position, issue, or action. Commitment. Successful people see past the problems and are able to keep their focus on the promise that they've made to themselves or others. They keep their eyes on the outcome of the action the entire time. When I commit to ensuring success for myself, my family, the project, my company, it means I will do whatever is necessary. I have pledged myself to make that pledge a reality and fulfill my commitment. Commitments are not something for which you can make excuses, nor are they something you negotiate with or with which you give up. Commit fully as though you are already successful and demonstrate that commitment to all those with and for whom you work. 14. Go all the way. As they say in AA, half measures availed us nothing. For members, this means you can't get sober if you're drinking, even a little bit. In the world of success and achievement, half measures 
avail nothing in terms of results except for tiring out the person engaging in the half measures. That's why people refer to work as though it were an illness. Only those who go all the way and see things through all the way until they're done experience the rewards that the workplace has to offer. See, until an action is turned into success, it's not a done. Until you make the potential client a client or the potential investor an investor, you have not gone all the way. This might seem harsh, but if you called the client 50 times and didn't get the deal done, then you might as well not call that person at all. This is the point at which people become reasonable and therefore don't make the 51st call. Commit to being completely unreasonable and going all the way until it's done. Don't accept excuses. No settling is allowed under go all the way. 15. Focus on now. There exist only two times for the successful, now and the future. The unsuccessful spend most of their time in the past and regard the future as an opportunity to procrastinate. Now is the period of time that successful people utilize most often to create the futures they desire in order to dominate their environments. You cannot do what unsuccessful people do, which is to use any excuse they can think of to put off the task they should be completing now, immediately. Instead, you must acquire the discipline, muscle, memory, and achievements that result from taking massive action while others think, plan, and procrastinate. Taking actions immediately right now allows the most successful to design a future they desire now. The successful understand that they must keep taking actions now. They're well aware that procrastination is the ultimate weakness and it is the thing that will break you. The 10x rule requires that you take action in massive quantities and then do so immediately. Anyone who puts off doing what he or she can do right now will never gain the momentum and the confidence that results from doing something now. For example, I once told my staff that I wanted each one of them even those in administrative positions, to make 50 phone calls. I immediately saw signs of panic appear on everyone's faces, as though this would be impossible to achieve what with everything else they had to do. So I told them, look, you got 30 minutes to make the calls. Now, go. I wanted to show them what was possible. I went to my office and made 28 phone calls in 22 minutes. Look, you got to just start. You cannot allow even one second of worry or analysis to delay you in situations like these. Because every second you spend thinking is a second of action that you're wasting. You will be amazed how much you can get done when you quit thinking, calculating, analyzing, you know, paralysizing yourself and then procrastinating and just get on with it and make a habit of acting now. Although this may cause you to feel like you're reacting constantly, causing you to be too spontaneous, it will also make acting a habit. Action is necessary and there's no time more valuable than now. While others are trying to figure out how they will get something done, you will have already finished it. The person who continues to do more consistently will improve his or her skill set out of the sheer survival and adjustment. Discipline yourself to perform now, not later, and I assure you that the volume of endeavors you're undertaking will quickly increase the quality of work and propel you to move with enhanced conviction and certainty that will guarantee you onto the list of the most successful. Demonstrate courage. Courage is that quality of mind or spirit that compels people to face dangerous situations in spite of fear. That is the definition. It's rare that people feel or are described as courageous before the event that compels them to act in the way that later quantifies them as courageous. 
Rather, they're referred to as such as a result of taking action, regardless of their fears. Soldiers and heroes never refer to themselves as brave before they endured their courageous act. As far as they're concerned, they're just doing what they had to do at the moment. You'll often notice that successful people carry themselves with an air of confidence and conviction, a sense of comfort, and maybe even a touch of what others call arrogance. Now, before you start thinking that they're somehow inherently different, you should understand that they've acquired these qualities as a result of one thing, taking action repeatedly. The more frequently you can do things that scare you a bit, the more others will label you as courageous and then start to gravitate toward you. Courage comes to those who act, not to those who think, wait, and wonder. The only way to hone this trait is by taking action. Although you can train to increase your skills and your confidence, courage is only attained by doing, especially doing things that you fear. Who wants to do business with or support someone who readily gives in to his or her fears? Who wants to invest in a project when the people behind it don't act with confidence and courage? I was recently interviewed with someone who asked me, does nothing scare you? The question surprised me because I know that I experience fear. I suppose that it must appear that I'm not scared because I deliver fourth-degree actions, massive action, and you can certainly do the same. Look, attack, dominate, keep your attention on your future, and then continue to repeat your actions, and your courage will grow. Do things that scare you more frequently, and they will slowly begin to scare you a bit less over time until they become so habitual that you wonder why you were ever scared of them in the first place. 17. Successful people embrace change. Successful people love change, whereas the unsuccessful do everything they can to keep things from changing, the status quo. But how can you create success when you're trying to keep things from becoming any different? It's impossible. Although you never want to alter the things that are working successfully, you should always look for ways to improve what you are doing successfully. The successful always keep an eye for what is coming next. They seek out potential upcoming market transformations and embrace them instead of rejecting them. The successful look at how their world is shifting and apply this to how they might improve their operations and grow their advantage. See, their attention is on the now or into the future. They never subsist on yesterday's successes. They know they must continue to adapt or they won't remain victorious. The successful don't see change as something that should be resisted, but something instead that keeps them excited. Apple's Steve Jobs is a great example of this. He changes his products before a competitor can catch up or before a consumer can get bored with them. The willingness to accept change, embrace change, is a great quality of the successful. 18. Determine and take the right approach. The successful know that they can quantify what works and what doesn't work, whereas the unsuccessful focus solely on hard work. See, the right approach may be to institute a public relations program that softens the market and makes it easier, or that provides customers with the right tool, or compels management to make the most powerful connections, making clientele acquisition easier. Or maybe you do a program that finds the best investors, or you hire the highest quality of staff. Whatever the method may be, the successful don't think in terms of just hard work, even though they are, of course, willing to work hard. Instead, they figure out how to work smart and handle the situation by finding and using the right approach until they succeed. The unsuccessful always find work to be difficult. 
because they never take enough time to improve their approach and make it easier on themselves. The first three years of my career as a salesperson was hard work and gave me sporadic up and down results at best. Then I committed two years and thousands of dollars to improving my approach and selling was no longer work. Successful people invest time, energy, and money in improving themselves. Unsuccessful people refuse to spend time, energy, or money on improving themselves. As a result, successful people don't focus on how hard the work is, but rather how rewarding the results are. Look, when you're winning because you've perfected your approach, it won't feel like work. It will feel like success. And nothing tastes as good as the victory of success. 19. Successful people break traditional ideas. The most successful of the successful go beyond the concept of mere change and challenge traditional thinking. Look at organizations like Google and Facebook, Apple, and you will see companies that challenge traditions and create new ways of doing things. They break that which already works in order to get to a better place. The most successful are looking to create traditions, not follow already established traditions. Do not be a prisoner of the thinking agreed upon by masses. Figure out ways to take advantage of traditional thinking that holds others back. Look, the successful are called thought leaders who design the future with forward thinking. I built my first company on the notion of breaking traditional ideas that one industry had held on to and accepted for so long as the only way of doing things. Highly successful individuals are not concerned with the way things have always been done. They're interested in finding new and better ways of doing things. They look at why automobiles, airplanes, newspapers, and homes have changed so little over the past 50 years and try to determine a way to create new airplanes, automobiles, newspapers, and homes. A word of warning. These people are also able to maintain their companies and their existing structures and finances while disputing conventional concepts and bringing new products to market. They don't suggest change for the sake of change. They do so in order to design superior products, superior relationships, and create better, more successful environments. The successful are willing to challenge tradition in order to discover new and better ways to accomplish their goals and dreams. 20. Be goal-oriented. A goal, by definition, is some desirable objective, typically something yet to be achieved, that a person or company needs in order to move forward. Successful people are highly goal-oriented and always pay more attention to the target than the problem. They are seemingly able to bend bullets because of their commitment and focus on the goal. Far too many people spend more time planning what they will get at the grocery store than they even do setting the most important goals of their lives. If you don't stay focused on your goals, you will spend your life achieving the objectives and goals of other people, particularly those who are goal-oriented. Goals are incredibly important to me. I begin and finish each day, almost every day, by writing them down and reviewing them. Anytime I encounter a failure or a challenge, I take out a legal pad and start writing down my goals. This helps keep my attention on where I desire to go and the goals that I want to achieve, instead of letting me dwell on the difficulty or the failure of the moment. The ability to remain focused on the goal, where I'm going, keeps your orientation on your goal's achievement and this is vital to your success. Although I try to stay focused on the present, I want to keep most of my attention on the bigger picture of my goals rather than on just the task I'm trying to accomplish at the moment.
21. Be on a mission. Whereas the unsuccessful spend their lives thinking in terms of a job, successful people approach their activities as though they are on a religious mission, not as though they're at a job or at work. Successful employees, employers, entrepreneurs, and market makers, changers, consider their daily activities to be part of a more important mission that will somehow change things significantly. They are always thinking bigger and homing in on some massive target that they desire to achieve. Until you start approaching your job or career as though you're on a mission, I promise you it's always going to be reduced to just a job or just a career. You must learn to undertake every activity with the zealous attitude that this endeavor, what you're on, whatever you're doing, could forever change the world. If not, you don't have a mission. Get a mission. Approach every phone call, email, sales visit, meeting, presentation, toilet that you clean up, and every day that you spend at your office, not as a job, but as a calling for which you will be forever known. Until you adopt this attitude, you will be forever stuck in a job and probably one that isn't very fulfilling. 22. Have a high level of motivation. Motivation refers to the act or state of being stimulated toward action. To succeed, it's critical that you be stimulated, excited, and driven constantly to some new action, old action, or repeated actions. Although the definition of motivation suggests that there's a reason behind the action, the study of successful people also makes it apparent that their high levels of activity are fueled by being goal-focused and mission-driven. The unsuccessful demonstrate low levels of motivation, wandering, and a lack of clarity or purpose. Elevated motivation is obviously critical to 10x actions and persistence. This isn't the kind of enthusiasm that lasts for just a few hours or a day or a week. It's based on what you do every day, each day, to stimulate yourself toward actions and inspire yourself to keep taking new actions. Highly successful people continually seek and uncover reasons to stay perpetually provoked to new levels of success. This may be why successful people are never satisfied. As they continue to be compelled by new reasons to move forward, they achieve these new goals and then regenerate for the next round of achievements. They are constantly stimulated to higher and higher levels of action and achievements. There's one question I get in my seminars probably more than any other question. Grant, how do you stay so motivated? The answer, I create new reasons to keep showing up. The unsuccessful unceasingly suggests to me, Grant, if I had what you had, I'd retire. But you see, I don't believe this claim for a second. First of all, they don't know if that's true or not because they don't have it yet. Since they can't tell how they'd respond to success at that level, how could they determine how they would respond once they had it? See, it is possible and highly probable that the success that you'd create in your own life at another level would also include some responsibilities and obligations to continue to produce in order to keep what you had already attained. See, motivation's an inside job. I can't motivate you, and you can't motivate anyone else. You can encourage, you can challenge, and you can inspire, but look, true motivation, the underlying reason for doing something, that's what motivation is, has to come from within. I do it personally by setting goals daily to keep myself enthused and jacked and focused. I look at things that seem to be just out of my reach, even sometimes way in a distance. And I'm not talking about just material things, but I look at other people's accomplishments, their achievements, 
to see what's possible. It keeps my attention on the possibilities, and this keeps me motivated. Look, anything you can do to stay highly motivated is critical to your 10x commitments. 23, be interested in results. Successful people don't value effort. They don't value work or time spent on an activity. Successful people value results, period. Unsuccessful individuals attach great importance to time they spend at work. Oh, I spent 10 hours doing this today. Oh, I made this many phone calls. Oh, I tried so hard. See, unsuccessful people put a lot of emphasis on what they did, their efforts, their attempts at getting results, even when nothing happens. The difference between the successful and unsuccessful here is connected to the concept of being unreasonable that we talked about in earlier chapters. Look, let's face it. Like it or not, the results are all that matter. If you attempt to take out the trash but only make it to your front hall, garbage will continue to accumulate in your home and you will have a problem. Until you become completely, unreasonably fixated with only getting results, you will fall short of achieving what you desire. Quit patting yourself on the back prematurely for just trying. Look, save your rewards, accolades. Save the parade for real accomplishments. Drive yourself. Push yourself so that no one else has to. Be so hard on yourself. Never let yourself off the hook so that other people aren't pushing you. And push yourself until you get the results you want. Results, not efforts. Regardless of the challenges, regardless of the resistance, regardless of the problems, should be your primary focus for the attainment of your success. 24. Have big goals and big dreams. Successful people dream big and they have immense monster goals. They are not realistic. They don't set realistic goals. They don't have what's considered realistic dreams. Everything seems to be a bit out of reach for them. They leave the reasonable, realistic goal setting to the masses of people, to the large populations that have given up on dreaming, the people that fight only for the leftovers and the scraps. See, the big successful people on this planet are like, I'm going after the big stuff, man. I'm going after the big dreams. I'm going after the big play. I'll let everybody else fight for the little stuff. See, the second question of the 10X rule begs, how big are your goals? How big are your dreams? The middle class, the masses of people, are taught to be realistic. You're taught it in school. You're taught it by your parents. You're taught it in religion. You're taught it everywhere. Your friends even to be realistic. Don't set goals too big. You may be disappointed. See, whereas the successful people think in terms of how extensively they can spread themselves. How big can they splash? The greatest regret I have in my life is that I initially set targets and goals based on what were realistic rather than on giant, radical, out-of-the-box, huge, massive, big splash, big think that could change the world. It's what makes Facebook, Twitter, Google, it's what makes great companies great. Or whatever next great company is coming next, it's what's going to make them great is that big think. Realistic thinking, small goals, trivial dreams. No offense, simply won't provide you with any motivation, not real motivation. And they'll land you, that kind of thinking will land you smack dab in the middle of competing with billions of people, the masses. Look, dream big, go big. That's what successful people do. And then figure out how to go bigger than that. Read everything you can about giants, 
about the great people on this planet, living and dead, about the great companies, their accomplishments, how they got there. Surround yourself with everything you can that inspires you to think big, act big, so that you can truly reach your full potential. 25. Create your own reality. The highly successful are a bit like magicians. They don't deal in other people's realities. Instead, they're bent on creating a new reality for themselves and others that is so different from the one that others accept as possible. See, they're not interested in what other people deem possible or impossible. They only care about producing the things they dream are possible. They're never sold on the idea of dealing in other people's beliefs or guidelines or rules, and they don't submit to this agreed-upon reality. The successful want to create what they want, and they have a high disregard, yes, disregard, even a dislike for what is considered mass agreement. Do a bit of research, and you'll see that those who have made it really, really big created a reality that did not exist before they came along. Whether it was a salesperson, an athlete, artist, politician, an inventor, greatness is achieved by those who think nothing of being practical and are instead obsessed with the idea of creating a reality they want to make, regardless of what people believe is possible. Look, the next reality of how things will or can be is only as far away as the next person who creates it. 26. Commit first, figure out later. At first glance, this might appear to be a highly undesirable, even perilous trait of the highly successful, but this is how they operate, man. They commit first, and they figure out the details later. This thinking, commit first, figure it out later, is far less dangerous than the alternative frequently practiced by the unsuccessful. Most people assume they have to figure everything out first. It's one of the things I'm working on my office with right now. Get rid of the mechanics. Don't try to figure everything out first. Take action. Companies are valued at how fast they can create revenue, not how fast they can organize. Most people assume they have to figure everything out first. Keep that in mind. If you're competing with another company and they think, I have to figure it out, slaughter them by not figuring it out and just taking action. Most people assume they have to figure things out first and will commit once they figure it all out. While I'm sitting there taking action and I haven't figured it out yet. These same people never seem to get around to actually ever taking the action because they get so lost in the figure figure. Even when they do figure it out, even when they are finally ready to commit, they usually find that the opportunity that they figured out, got all the things straightened out, organized for, now it no longer exists because somebody else dominated that opportunity. Someone else claimed their spoils while they were figure figuring. Committing first means getting 100% behind whatever it is you're committing to before you even figure all the details out. Again, this is perilous. I'm telling you, it's risky. It's chancy. It's scary. It's frightening. But you got to commit first because creativity follows commitment. This is what allows small companies and wild, crazy entrepreneurs to outmaneuver other bigger, richer competitors. The great companies of yesterday get so powerful and so enamored with layers of management that their staff now spends most of their days in meetings and organizing, causing them to become cautious and incapable of pulling triggers the way they did when they were taking risk and growing. Although it can be dicey to commit first and figure the rest out later, 
It is my belief that the creativity and problem solving are stimulated only after a person fully commits. Although preparation and training are critical and vital, challenges of the marketplace will require you to act before you determine how to make everything turn out all right. Look, it's not necessarily the smartest or the brightest, the most prepared or the most organized who win in the game of life. Rather, it is those who can commit the most passionately to their cause. 27. Be highly ethical. This is an area of confusion for many people especially when they see supposedly successful people, supposedly, by the way, going to jail. Well, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter how much success money you would amass. Going to jail would be an immediate disqualifier for success. Even if a criminal does not get caught, never goes to jail, he or she is still a criminal. I don't care if they got a billion dollars. A billion-dollar criminal is a billion-dollar criminal no different than a one-dollar criminal. They still know they're a criminal and therefore incapable, in my mind, of real success. On the other end of the spectrum, I know people who would never even tell even the smallest lie or steal a penny and would go across town if they actually ended up with somebody else's penny. But I don't consider many of these people ethical either because if you look at their life, they don't bother to fulfill their commitments as providers of security and role models for their family and friends. If you look at other areas of a person's life, it's not just about cash register honesty. You don't have to be a criminal to be unethical. If you don't go to work, okay, and I want you to really hear this, if you don't go to work every day and do everything within your power to succeed, look, you're stealing from your family, you're stealing from your future, you're stealing from your company, and you're probably stealing from your clients if you have a great product. Is that ethical? I don't think so. You've made some agreements, either implied or spoken, you know, in writing or just by showing up every day with your spouse, your family, your colleagues, your people, your managers, your clients. You, you made a commitment. The more success you create, the better you are able to take care of those agreements. To me, being ethical doesn't mean playing by society's agreed-upon rules. I believe that being ethical requires me and people to do what they have told others they would do and then doing so until they get the results. Making an effort without a result is not ethical because it's a form of lying to myself or yourself and failing to fulfill your true obligations that you've made and the commitments you've made. Trying, wishing, praying, hoping, and wanting aren't going to get you there. In my mind, ethical people achieve results. They achieve the results they desire and they create so much success for themselves and their family and their company that they can survive any storm and succeed regardless of any difficulty. See, that is a much higher level of ethics than just, I always tell the truth. Well, that's good, man, but you're not providing for your family. You know, you're not fulfilling your dreams. See, if you have a great dream, a big dream that you've always wanted to fulfill, no wonder you have this, this dissatisfaction inside because you know it's not you. It's not ethical. One of the personal experiences of which I am most proud in my life was my ability to weather two years in a severely challenging economic environment while I was confronting at the same time an even more serious challenge in my life and was still able, still able to expand my company and provide for my family. Anything short of providing long-term success, continuing to expand and dominate, means putting everyone in my life and in your life, including yourself, at risk. Again, I'm not talking about cash register ethics here. I'm talking about a bigger concept of living up to your abilities and your potential as well as 
your unspoken and spoken explicit commitments. Merely agreeing to be a father, a husband, an entrepreneur, or a business owner, or whatever role you play or roles you play in life, brings with it implied commitments and agreements. I consider it unethical not to fully utilize the gifts, talents, my mind with which I have been blessed. And I encourage you to consider it unethical. Only you can decide what is ethical for you. However, I would suggest that any disparity between what you know you can do, what you're capable of, and what you are achieving is really an ethical issue. The most successful among us are so driven by their ethical obligation, by that sense of who they are, and so motivated to do something significant that it actually aligns them with their true potential. 28. Be interested in the group. You can only do as well as the people around you. If everyone around you is sick, underperforming, and struggling, then sooner or later you will become afflicted by everyone else. For example, pensions are strangling city and state governments because handfuls of people were interested in their own situation and didn't consider the impact it could have on the group as a whole. This type of me-first thinking that has no regard for the effect on the group ultimately stifles the very group and even the individuals which were making the decision that they thought was survival. This self-serving approach later makes it almost impossible for the group and the individuals in the group to even survive and even puts all in that group and the individuals at risk. The larger population's health and well-being should be of utmost importance to each individual member, each player, which is something that the most successful people know. You can only be as successful as the individuals with whom you are involved and associate yourself. It doesn't matter what position you hold, whether you're the leading of the group or part of the group. Your success is limited to the ability of those around you. This does not mean that successful people aren't interested in themselves. Absolutely they are. It's just that they realize they have to expend energy and express interest in their associates because they know that if they're not doing well, those they're surrounded with are not doing well, even the most well-to-do will be dragged down by that which they're surrounded. It's actually self-serving to some degree to care about what happens to all those around you. You want everyone on your team winning. You want everybody excited. You want the people you're surrounded with, you know, motivated, winning, pushing through challenges and having success and improving themselves because it's likely to improve your game as well. For that reason, you always want to do everything you can to bring the rest of your team to a higher level. 29. Be dedicated to continuous learning. The most successful CEOs are reported to read an average of 60 books and attend more than six conferences each year, whereas the average American worker reads an average of less than one book a year, and they make 319 times less income than the top CEOs in America. Although the media often discusses the disparity between the rich and the poor, they frequently fail to cover the amount of time and energy the wealthy have committed to reading, studying, and educating themselves. Successful people make time for conventions, symposiums, readings, groups. And you say, yeah, but they got the money. Look, that's how they got the money, man. They connected up with people that are thinking bigger. There's never been a book, audio program, a download, webinar, a speech from which I haven't benefited. I've read bad books that I got something from. The most successful people I know 
read everything they can get their hands on. I know successful people that hate to read, and they surround themselves with people that know how to read, like to read, in fact, hire people to read and say, hey, give me what you learned from it. They approach a $30 book as though it has the potential to make them millions of dollars. Poor people look at a $30 book and figure out how to buy it for 12 Rich people are like, $30 book, man, where's the million bucks? Find me one freaking paragraph with a million dollars. That's what they're looking for. See, they see every opportunity to train and educate themselves because they believe in themselves as a solid, sure investment. Unsuccessful people, on the other hand, simply worry about the cost of the book or the seminar. Oh, my gosh, it's $500 to go to this. I'm going to miss a day of work. The rich guy's saying, it's only $500, bucks. let us roll, Okay. You see the difference? Join the ranks of the successful people who know that their income, their wealth, their health, their future are dependent upon their ability to continue to seek out new information. These people never, ever stop learning, and neither should you. 30. Be uncomfortable. Successful people are willing to be uncomfortable. Those who succeed were at one point or another in their life, I promise you, willing to put themselves in situations that were uncomfortable, whereas unsuccessful people seek comfort from all their decisions. Every decision is based on, am I going to be comfortable here? I don't want to call on that client. I'll be uncomfortable. I want to sit in front of the TV. I want to find the most comfortable sofa I can have. I don't want to work out. I get uncomfortable. I don't want to go to this group. I don't want to stand on a stage. I don't want to speak to people. See, you don't want to be uncomfortable. you got to be uncomfortable. Discomfort is an indicator of where you want to go. The most important or one of the most important things I've done in my life were not the things I was comfortable doing. In fact, many of them made me so uneasy. I mean, I was terrified. Whether it was moving to a new city, cold calling a client or hundreds of them, meeting new people, doing a new presentation, venturing into new sectors or businesses that I knew nothing about, most of these things were uncomfortable for me until I repeated the action enough time and got familiar with it and became a professional at it. It's so tempting to become content with your surroundings, your daily rituals, and your habits, most of which are probably not furthering your mission. They're not even challenging you anymore. Many of you listening to this are bored with your own problems. Look, it feels good to me when things are familiar. It feels comforting. It's like nurturing to the little boy, right? But look, that's not where I'm going to grow. Successful people are willing to put themselves in new and unfamiliar situations. They're willing to meet new and unfamiliar people. They're willing to go to new parties. They're reaching up. They're not reaching down. They're not reaching sideways. They don't have just their old buddies. Now they got new friends in addition to their old friends. It doesn't mean that they're always changing just for the sake of changing. That would be ridiculous. However, they know that getting too comfortable, too relaxed, too familiar causes a person to become soft and he starts to lose his or her creativity and hunger to stay out front, to be challenged by what the other players are doing. So be willing to be uncomfortable and do what makes other people uncomfortable as well. It's a sure sign that you're on your way to success. 31. Reach up in relationships. If it were up to me, this would be a basic course for every year that someone attended school. It would include drills in which people are encouraged to do things that they're not comfortable doing. The successful constantly talk about having people around them that are smarter, brighter, and more creative. Look, that's just not blurbs they're using. They're all saying the same thing. Dude, I surrounded myself with great people, bright people, smarter people than me. 
It's unlikely that you'll hear one of them say, hey, I got where I'm at, you know, because I surrounded myself with more people just like me. Yep, that's right. I surrounded myself with people actually that were dumber than me, slower than me, that didn't think big. Average people, on the other hand, typically, if you look at their life, spend his or her time with like-minded people. You're only comfortable when you're around people that think like you do. Man, that's not expansive. And even some people that I know spend time with people that actually bring less to the table than they do. Make a habit of reaching up in all your relationships toward people who are better connected, better educated, and even more successful. By reaching up in your relationships, you're going to have, these people are going to have more to share with you than your supposed equals or less thans. No offense, okay? This habit is connected to their willingness to change, challenge tradition, grow, and do what others can't fathom. That's what you want to be around. Reach up. Never sideways. Never down. Base your decisions on what will be the greatest investment to move you toward your ethical commitment to create success for yourself, your family, and your business. The people with whom you surround yourself are going to have a great deal to do with whether you achieve your goals or not. Let's face it. You don't want to go horizontal. You want to go vertical. If you want to go vertical, then you got to go vertical with your friends. You want to go up. You do this by associating yourself with bigger thinkers, with bigger dreamers, with bigger players. Look, black belts don't learn new skills from white belts. They can be reminded of the basics from a white belt, but remember that a white belt cannot take a black belt to a red belt or to a higher degree of a red or black belt. Look, you can't become a scratch golfer by playing with bogey golfers. You get it? You have to interact with people who are better than you, smarter than you, who are more connected than you. Reach up. Don't reach sideways and don't reach down. It's what successful people do, and it's the only way to become better yourself. 32, be disciplined. Remember, we're not talking about money here when we're talking about success. We're talking about success in every area of your life. And to do so, you will not be able to compromise this thing called discipline. Discipline, by definition, is an orderly prescribed conduct that will get a person, an individual, or an activity what it wants. Discipline is a requirement for you to be a 10x player. Unfortunately, most people's disciplines look more like bad habits instead of the admittedly uncomfortable 10x actions that we have to make disciplines for you. Discipline is what you use to complete any activity until the activity, regardless of how uncomfortable, regardless of how challenging, becomes a normal operating procedure. In order to ever attain and keep success, you must determine which habits are constructive and then discipline both yourself and your group to do those things over and over and over again until it becomes a discipline. Okay, if you find you don't have all the previously mentioned 32 successful traits and habits, or maybe you see yourself having most or some of them most of the time, but then you occasionally fall off a bit, look, no worries. Don't worry about it. I don't implement or have these every second of every day. I would expect that most of the people listening to this don't consistently display all 32 of these qualities all the time. But you want to become aware of the list. You want to keep this list close to you. You want to keep these 32 traits so close to you that you're looking at them all the time, that you're becoming you know, very, very aware so that you're able to make new commitments to making these techniques, if you will, these indicators part of who you are rather than merely something you have to do. You want to make this part of your life. 
Although I don't personally operate in the success column of all 32 of these 100% of the time, I'm going to tell you what, I know what they are, and I know I'm operating with them most of the time, and they're becoming part of my life, just like I'm breathing air. I make efforts to ensure that I spend most of my time doing what successful people do. So when I'm going out to buy a property, and I'm like, I hadn't figured it out yet, I'm like, oh, man, you don't need to figure it out, dude. Commit first. Figure it out later. I'm working on a project right now. I don't know how to get the lending for it. I don't know how to get the down payment for it. I don't know when I'm going to do the due diligence. I don't know how to work it into my calendar. I know nothing, but I'm committed. I'm in contract. I'm on a deadline to get it done, and I'm making phone calls right now to figure it out. This kind of commitment, okay, and I'm just using one of the traits now as an example. This kind of commitment, even knowing about what makes great people great people, just knowing that that's one of the indicators puts me back in the game when I was thinking, oh, I need to figure out how to buy this property. No, you don't, Grant, okay? What discipline is that? Discipline, commit first, figure it out later. I don't know what the number is right now. I'll go back and check it out here. I don't know. It's somewhere in the 20s, 26, 27, something like that. Commit first, figure it out later. Dude, show up all the way. Figure out how you're going to play later on. The number doesn't matter. I've read these so much, I keep them around me that I'm like, okay, that's where you need to go. Do it. Rather than being tempted to back off. Look, none of the things on this list, they're not superhuman, but they're going to make you operate compared to other people like you're superhuman. Every single one of them is attainable. Okay, I don't care how far out of reach it is. Don't use just one or two of these techniques. You want to use all 32 of them. You want to make them part of your whole operating system. Start thinking and operating with them. Keep them close to you until they become a part of how you operate. Use all of them. Use them all the time and use them at 10x and you will get everything you want in life. Exercise. Now, without looking, I want you to go back and name five traits of successful people, and then I want you to name the counterpart of those traits. If you can't do that quickly, you need to go back over this list again. Number two, which one of these traits are you best at now? Number three, now let's look at what you need to really start to focus on. I want you to actually write down the ones you're weakest at. Chapter 23, getting started with 10X. So where do you even get started with all this 10X stuff? What kinds of challenges are you going to run into? How do you make 10X a true, persistent discipline in your life? Well, all you really have to do is look back at the list that I just covered of what successful people do to determine what you need to do to make 10X part of your life. When do you start? Well, remember, there's only two times it exists for successful people. You want to focus to some degree on now, but keep most of your attention on the future. Remember, we covered that. The future you want to create, you want all your attention on now or in the future? Most of it on the future, but you got to take action now. You certainly can't start yesterday. You can't. You didn't start yesterday, so you can't start. And if you wait until tomorrow, you won't be successful because you basically violated an important tenet of the successful. Act now and then keep acting with the knowledge that enough actions taken now will create a future, a good future. When successful people become lazy, they add time to their decisions. At that point, they're probably, the successful, are probably more concerned with protecting what they have than with creating new levels of success. And conservation of success, or what to do with it once you get it, is not what this book's about. This book's about creating 10x levels of success. I wrote this book at 52 years of age and have currently created enough success for myself only to have an appetite for more of it. 
I truly believe that I have yet to entirely fulfill my capabilities or my abilities. I don't want more success for the game of it or even for the money. Mostly, I want more success because I really do consider it to be an ethical obligation to utilize my true full potential. Whatever or whoever drives you, look, go get it now and quit being reasonable with yourself. I'm undertaking a major personal and professional expansion as I write this program, all while expanding my family at the same time, expanding my business, and expanding my philanthropic desires. Everyone in my organization and most of my clients will tell you, even people that don't do business with me may not even like me, will tell you one thing. Man, when Cardone goes, he goes now, and he goes with an unreasonable belief and is willing to do whatever is necessary to hit his targets. I'm not an organizer, I'll tell you right now. I'm not a great planner, and I'll never tell anybody I'm a great manager. I realize, and I know for myself, that taking action now, right now, without adding time or meetings or overanalyzing, is both an asset for me and understand I know that it's also a deficiency. The people who know me would probably also tell you that when I embark on a project, whether it's writing a new book, creating a seminar program, developing a new product, starting a new workout program, buying a piece of real estate, working on my marriage, spending time with my daughter, I go at it all the way, dude, completely all in, obsessed, fully committed like a hungry dog on the back of a meat truck hadn't eaten in a week. I know myself fairly well, and I would expect you know who you are. When I get involved in something, dude, I'm in, completely unreasonable with all the actions I take, just full force until I get the results I want. I know a lot of people that go at stuff full force and then stop. They stop just prior to getting what they want, man. You want to get this thing cranked, action, 10x actions now, and then pursue them with follow-up until you get what you want. I don't make excuses for myself, nor do I let other people make excuses for myself. And I don't pat myself on the back for my efforts. So when do you start? You know what now means? Now means now. Not a minute from now. Not 30 seconds from now means now. Start with first things first. Make your initial list of goals. I'm telling you how to start this thing right now. Make an initial list of goals, then a list of actions that will start to propel you in the direction of those goals. Then without overthinking it, figuring, planning, dude, I just want you to start taking actions. You get it? Hey, I want to become a millionaire, okay? Three things that I could do to, to literally start moving me in that direction today. Great. You write those three things. I could call Warren Buffett today. Okay, good. You know what? Pick up the phone. You're not going to script out the call. You're not going to organize. You're not going to get your day timer out. That's all BS, man. That's all stuff that's making you 1x, not 10x. Take action. That's the only way he's going to take your call because you called him, not because you planned. Without overthinking, start taking actions. Now, here's a few things to keep in mind as you start doing this, okay? Because it's freaking, you're in fear land now, Jack, okay? Number one, do not reduce your goals as you write them. So if your goal is, I'm going to write a blockbuster hit movie, okay? Don't all of a sudden say, you know what? I'm going to change that to, I'm going to do an independent movie. I'm a low budget. I'm going to do a $75,000 movie. Now, dude, the first thing that came to your head is I'm going blockbuster, big, massive, Write it. Don't reduce your goals, number one. Number two, do not get lost in details of how to accomplish them at this point. This is a major mistake with goal setting. People go to write a goal, and then they get lost in details, okay? 
Don't get lost in details on how to accomplish. I want 2,000 apartments. Do not try to figure out how to do it right now because you're going to get derailed in details. Number three, oh, I like that, derailed in details. Three, ask yourself, what actions can I take right now, today, to move me toward my goals? I want this girl. What action can I take right now to go get this girl? Number four, take whatever actions that come up on your list, regardless of your feelings, your discomfort, take the action. Number five, do not prematurely value the outcome of your actions. You see what I'm doing? I don't want to prematurely value what the outcome is. And when you're saying he won't take your call or she won't take the call or I can't buy those apartments because I don't have any money, you're prematurely valuing the outcome. And number six, go back each day and review the list. So let me give you the list again, okay? This is what you're going to do. Do not, number one, do not reduce your goals as you write them. Write the goal down. Two, do not get lost in the details of how to accomplish them at this point. Number three, ask yourself, what actions can I take right this second, right now, to move me toward the goal? Four, take whatever actions you come up with. Just take the action. Don't start having feelings, okay? You're not a psychiatrist or a psychoanalyst or a counselor, okay? Feelings are overrated, baby. They keep people from doing stuff. Number five, do not prematurely value the outcome of your actions. So don't start trying to think about what's going to happen. And number six, go back each day and review the list. Now, as you get started on this path of 10X, you're going to feel a little overwhelmed, right? You might even notice a tendency to start talking yourself out of getting started, and then you, you, you stop taking any actions. In fact, you never started taking actions. Don't be tempted to wait. You know it doesn't work to delay, right? You know it doesn't work for you. Think of yourself like being a car stuck in the mud. You need enough traction now to move just an inch. You don't need to move it all the way out. You just need to get enough traction right now, okay? Maybe I throw a board under there. But the whole time, you still needed to be pressing the accelerator. Then you get out. It's the traction, it's the action, it's the acceleration that gets you out of the mud, the stuckness. Nothing else. No thinking can get that car out of the mud. It may require that you get dirty. Probably will require you get dirty, okay? But it's certainly better than being stuck, right? Now, as I first mentioned, you want to be aware of friends and family, particularly when you start doing this 10X trip. And I'm telling you, be aware of your surroundings, your friends, your family, those people who offer supposed advice because they love and care about you. Many of them suggest to you they don't want you to be unrealistic and then disappointed. Dude, I'm disappointed now. I'm stuck. Okay, I don't need more advice like that. The vocabulary and mindset of average people, even those you love, is always the same. Be careful. Play it safe. Don't be impractical. Success isn't everything. Be satisfied with what you have. Life is to be lived. Money won't make you happy. Don't want so much. Take it easy, man. You don't have experience. You can't do that yet. You're too young. You're too old. On and on and on. This is the opinions. This is the input. This is the help, the advice your friends and family are giving you. I'm not telling you to get rid of your friends and family completely, but I'm telling you, man, dump their advice. You don't need it. You need 10X, go crazy, massive action, big goal setting. You, that's what you need to be surrounded with right now. When you hear what average people say and think, thank them for their advice. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And then remind them that what you want from them is their support in you going for it. And let them know that you'd rather commit to your dreams and goals and be disappointed then never commit and be disappointed. So let your friends and family know, look, I'm on this quest right now, okay? 
any advice you give me right now, any input, any love, any support needs to be rock and roll. Go for it, dude. Okay. No more dents and dings. Total the car. That's what you want to hear from your mom, your dad, your brother, your cousin. Otherwise, keep it to yourself. Let me give you a real-life example of using 10X that took place for me as I was writing this, okay? I'm going I'm to tell you, I'm on a 10X quest right now. You'll see as you listen to this following scenario how I was able to employ many of the habits and traits of the successful to actually reach the goals I had set for myself and then even go beyond what I initially imagined. But you got to be aware of these things. First, you want to take action when? Now, start writing your goals, start taking the action, and you need to get the people around you to support you, okay? Or just tell them, knock it off. Now, let me tell you this little story here. Sometimes before I wrote my last book, if you're not first, you're last, okay? And that was the third of four books in under 22 months, okay? So I wrote this book, If You're Not First, You're Last, and I realized that, that although I had habitually been taking massive action in my life, I had yet to really think in 10x magnitudes, okay? While I was writing this book, I became aware I had been thinking big enough. So I decided to test out this 10x concept as I wrote this new book, The 10x Rule. As I reset my targets to match 10x thinking, okay, again, I'm 52 years old at the time, I start setting my targets at 10x thinking. I realized that one of my goals was to become the name synonymous with sales training. That's one of my businesses, is sales training for years, okay? So I'm like, dude, I've been doing sales training. I've made lots of money in sales training. I've been very successful in sales training. That wasn't enough. I want to be synonymous with sales training. I want you to look it up in the dictionary and see my face, okay? That's 10X. That's off the rails 10X. I want to become that person that people think of first when they consider sales training all around the world. Sales motivation, sales strategy, anything to do with selling, I want it to equal my name. That was my new target. This is the concept of domination that I had in my mind as I wrote, if you're not first, you're last. So I had this new, considerably giant goal in place. I had no clue how to accomplish it. Zero. You get it? That's what I'm telling you. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I know, however, that had I stopped and tried to figure out at that point how I was going to do it before I committed to making it my goal, hey, I'd have never gotten started. I probably would have decided immediately that it was impossible. And then if I go to my office staff and say, hey, I want everybody on planet Earth, 6.8 billion people, when they think sales training, I want them to think me. Or if I had gone to my sister or my brother, they'd been like, dude, what are you talking about? You're crazy, man. You're already doing well. You see, see what I'm saying? I'm trying to give you an example of what's going to happen for you. Once I clarified the right size target for me, the 10X target, and avoided overwhelming myself with technicalities and how minutia. How am I going to do it? I then allow myself the target and the room to determine what actions would be most consistent with this size of target. It seemed as though a big enough goal would automatically move me in the right directions. And it will. A little trick I used was to ask myself quality questions like, what do I have to do to become the name people think of when it comes to the topic of sales? And then I start writing the answers down. Uh, you need to get six, six billion people to know you. B, you need to get a TV show. C, you need a radio show every day. You need to get your books in every store. D, you need to get your books in every store and every library in the world. Okay. E, get on major talk shows and news shows. Okay. F, make that last book, if you're not first, you're last, a New York Times bestseller. G, make a major push using social media to have people around the world become acquainted with my name. See what I'm doing? What's my target? 
Again, I didn't know how to do any of this at that point, nor did I want to figure out during these steps how to do it. Look, I know I would only become derailed by the how-tos and the cannots and the impossible and, oh my gosh, the mechanics. You, you don't want to focus on that. You just want to focus on what you can do. As I considered my goal of becoming synonymous with selling, I knew I was setting a target big enough, number one, big enough to keep me interested. I immediately became inspired, man. I was like jacked, super jacked at a level that I had not been for years in my career. I was inspired to do anything consistent with the answers that we developed to our quality questions. Now, every single action my company and I take is aimed at getting my name out there with things like the TV show, the bookstores, the libraries. You get it? We didn't have any connections to TV. I'd written two self-published books. I don't even have a publishing company, man. Self-published books don't make New York Times bestsellers. They don't even make it into bookstores. So how am I going to do this? I no clue, but I know what my goal is. At this time, I hadn't done TV. I hadn't done news. I haven't done any media interviews. I don't even have a Facebook page or a Twitter page. So how am I going to get socially connected to the whole world when I don't have these things? But all these goals that I had listed, I firmly believed. I knew that they would get me where I want to get, okay? I firmly believed that getting a TV show would have the biggest bang of all of them. But I know I want them all, okay? So I know that all the actions I took were somehow connected and all were going to be very vital to me becoming synonymous with sales training. So what I'm telling you here is a story about how I use this 10X. I immediately went to my wife and informed her, look, I got these seven or eight things that I got to get handled, okay? And they're big, they're giant. One of the first things I want is a TV show where I'm going to demonstrate to the world that I can enter any company anywhere in the world and sell any product they have in any economy. And I'm going to increase their company sales. I want this TV show, right? I knew that this would help me avoid my potential obscurity among sales organizations worldwide. Getting a TV show would, boom, I'd be out there everywhere, right? Without reservation, she responded to me. This is a true partner. This is somebody on the same page with you, an equal. She looked at me. She says, that would make an incredible TV show. You'd be great at it. Let's do it. How can I help? I was extremely excited, but I did everything I could not to share my new idea with anyone who might tell me it was impossible. I don't want to hear that. I realized this was big, and it was exciting enough challenge to get all my resources behind it. I also knew it wouldn't take place overnight. Now, my first move was to inform my team and emphasize that any project that moved us in the direction of Grant Synonymous with sales training, get it done. I made it clear that I didn't want to hear, I can't, we can't, it's too hard, it can't be done. We started making 10x moves by making calls to anyone we knew who could put me in touch with someone involved in media, television, and books. Okay, This was somewhat of a painful step. People who work in the book and television industries have seen more than their share of failures and have therefore come to view all projects like this fairly pessimistically. They didn't hesitate to let me know, by the way, multiple times, by the way, how long something like this would take and how almost impossible it might be. And, by the way, they would say, hey, don't set your expectations too high. Oh, thanks for the advice, pal. I was hammered by the average kind of thinking ingrained in these people, the very kind that keeps them from accomplishing what they want. I repeatedly received comments like, 300 shows are pitched for every single show that ever gets picked up. The networks aren't spending money. A sales show is not a topic that the average American wants to watch. There's over 750,000 books written every year, Grant. Grant, you don't even have a well-known name. Getting a TV show is going to be almost impossible. I heard over and over all this, okay? 
Now, although this might be about the time when many people consider giving up, I didn't. And you can't give up at this point. Realize that you're just hearing from the masses. Realize that everyone who's trying to get their break is going through the same thing. See, I had to continually disregard the naysayers and refocus my goals. I would look again at what I had to do to accomplish. So I just go back to my goals. What do I got to do to become synonymous? Bing, 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 bing. Okay. And that would reinvigorate me. So regardless of whether I was scared or uncomfortable or it was impossible, remember, successful people embrace fear and discomfort. I don't know if it was because of what we were doing or because we kept our focus on what we wanted, but I think it had to be a combination of both. First thing I did was went out and hired a PR firm. And even though it was a complete disappointment, I didn't give up because I knew it was important to have a PR firm. When the second PR firm didn't work that I hired, I hired a third one. We were undertaking a lot of projects, you know, at the same time. They all took time. They all took energy. They all took money. They took creativity. The economy was sucking bad, okay? It was terrifying. And whether it was going to work or not was definitely in question. And it's going to be probably in question for you. Additionally, I was doing this at a time when the economy was, I mean, it was horrendous. Everyone was contracting. My company and the economy at large was experiencing the greatest economic reduction that I'd seen in my lifetime. And people were reporting that this was the worst recession in 100 years. My clients were reducing employees by up to 40%. My best competitor cut his staff by 50%. And countless others were shutting their doors. Entire companies were collapsing. Even entire industries were at risk. Some shutting down. Everyone was scared, but I kept one important point in mind, that the most successful people expand while others contract. They take risk while others conserve. So rather than cut my staff or cut our expansion, what I did was I eliminated my own salary. I took that salary and diverted it back into these projects so that I continue to use it to fund these 10x goals. Even as I was challenged like never before on every front imaginable, I did everything I could just to keep the target in focus. And it wasn't easy. And there was no guaranteed outcome, just like there won't be for you. But I did everything I could to remind myself that we could make it happen, that I'd rather die trying than not try. The more committed I became, the more challenges I faced. I almost felt as though the universe was just trying to see how strong I was and how committed I was and whether I could stick through it. Really what I was developing now that I look back was my discipline. My PR firms would get me one measly interview in three months in 90 days. And they thought that was a big deal. The banks were asking for more money down on my real estate. My income had been cut off by me, of course, but it still hurt. Okay. The only thing I had going for me at that time was my marriage, man, and my new baby that was coming into the world and my fierce belief, my fierce 10x belief in my capacity, my persistence and my work ethic. I was in love with this 10x goal. I knew this 10x thing wasn't just good for me. Look, it was what the world needed to know in order to actually start succeeding again. To me, it wasn't just an issue of personal success. It was just a mission of my life. What's the purpose of my life? The entire world was suffering economically. I felt that my goal was substantial enough to move the bar in such a big way, not just for me, but for the world. I felt that the risk of expansion was worth more than the money that I was saving or protecting or the energy that I was expending at the time. Your goal has to be more valuable than the risks you're taking or you've determined the wrong target. In this case, man, I was all in. So I continued with my commitment, dealt with my fear, became a fanatic about it, and continued to increase actions in other areas. I didn't control the PR. 
The television networks I don't control for sure. Don't control the publishing companies. So I went to work on the things I could control. Everywhere I could get my message out, I did. And I finally started getting results. And this happened very quickly. We started getting calls to do radio shows and even TV interviews. One morning I got a call from CNN Radio to do an interview on a topic of Fannie Mae busting. They said, can you cover this? Oh, absolutely, I agreed. Commit first, figure it out later, right? The next morning, I was asked to do a show at 3.30 in the morning for a studio and an interview on foreclosure problem. Can you do it? No problem. I'm your boy, okay? 3.30 in the morning, I'm popping up, studying everything I can on foreclosure, and then I show up at the studio to deliver. I remember getting a call from the PR people asking, hey, can you talk about LeBron James, the LeBron James contract and how it'll affect basketball? What's my answer? I'm there, man. Yes, absolutely. And headed off to NBC Studios without a delay. Ten minutes before I arrive there, I receive a phone call in which I'm informed, hey, by the way, the topic's not LeBron James anymore. You're going to be talking about the relationship between Levi Johnson and Sarah Palin. Look, I didn't know anything about Levi Johnson. Okay, I barely knew who the guy was, but I still showed up for the interview. The topic didn't matter to me. I just wanted these media sources to know they could count on me, they could depend on me, that I'll show up and, baby, I will deliver. I reminded myself that my goal, okay, when they're saying, can you do the Sarah Sarah Palin thing? I reminded myself that the goal was not to do an interview on CNBC or to talk about Levi, but to get the world's attention so that the people that I got attention from would start to think of me when it came to sales training. See, now understand that none of the coverage that I was getting, the foreclosures, the Fannie Mae, the the Levi Johnson, none of them were making money for me. None of them were really aligned with sales training, but it was getting me exposure. It was making me known. So then when we started pushing on our social media, because I can control social media to some degree, I can create a Facebook, a Twitter, a LinkedIn, okay? When we started pushing on social media in a huge way, we pushed so hard that I had customers, friends, and employees, even my employees, complaining that I was sending out too much. So when they came to me, Grant, man, we're getting complaints. We're getting unsubscribes. People are saying we're sending out too much. What did I do? Rather than sending out less, I increased the amount of emails, the posts, until the complaints turned into admiration. Remember the formula? Attention, criticism, maybe even some hate. Push until you get admiration. I went from being disappointed with my PR to being overbooked. That was just one way, because of our social media, that was one way of taking massive action and creating new problems. I kept making efforts towards the TV show as well. I tried to meet with theatrical agents, managers, big agencies, little agencies, anybody really, but even they wouldn't meet with me, okay? I talked to friends in Hollywood who had already had shows on TV, who had been unsuccessful pitching in the last two or three years their own TV show. Yet even as I was venturing into this new space, I continued to add wood to all the other things that I had going on. So I want you to be careful when you take on a new project, don't drop the other ones. The speaking engagements, the client calls, the emails, the social media, writing articles, my regular core business activities I continue to work on. And every time I'd get disappointed or experience a setback, I would go back and write down my goals. I'd go back and say, what are the goals again? What's the target? What's the actions I need to take? This forced me to remain focused on the destination instead of the difficulties. I always kept in mind that the successful keep their eye on their targets regardless of the challenges. Then one day, out of the blue, I get a phone call, okay, from a casting agent with a group in New York who informed me 
Hey, we ran across one of your videos on YouTube. I had posted 290 videos on YouTube at this time. We got a hold of one of your videos on YouTube. We're looking for a person to do a TV show, and we think you'd be perfect for it. We've been looking for someone like you, but haven't been able to find the right person. What was my response? I am the right person. I am the person that can do this. What took you so long to call me? Okay. And the guy starts laughing on the other end. I'm like, seriously, man, what took you so long? And then I found out the name of the guy in charge of the project. I want to talk to him. So what did I do? I called the guy that was ahead of the project. I didn't wait for them to call me to follow up with me. The guy said, we're interested. You're the guy we're looking for. I pick up the phone. I call Glenn up in New York. Glenn, Grant Cardone. Hey, I understand you guys are interested in me doing a TV show with you. I'm perfect for the deal. I'm the only guy that can do the deal, okay? And hey, I'm going to be in New York next weekend anyway. He's like, what? I said, I'm coming to New York Thursday, okay? Why am I doing that? I'm trying to establish a commitment to the project. By the way, I didn't have a trip planned to New York. I didn't tell him that. Why would I tell him? I said, hey, Glenn, I'm coming to New York anyway, okay? See, now, I did have in my mind what? Dude, I want to do a TV show. I know a TV show is important. That was my goal, right? So would you stop doing what you're doing right this second to make your goals a reality? Absolutely. So I told Glenn, dude, I'm coming to New York this weekend anyway. The producer told me he'd love to meet with me. He actually took that as a sign, you know, one of this serendipitous things. Oh, my God, you're coming anyway? This is meant to be. I committed. I said, look, I'll be there Thursday. I told him I'd be there at the end of the week. I got off the phone. I hung up. I called my assistant. Hey, where am I at Thursday? <laughs> Said, what did I do here? I immediately showed the producer my willingness and hunger to make things go right and that I was willing to commit without having all the information. See, that's what I'm doing. I don't even know if I'm available yet. Remember, successful people commit first, figure the rest out later. Some people might claim that it was entirely impetuous for me to jump on the chance and claim that I'd be in New York anyway. Some people are going to say, man, you lied to that guy. You, you, you didn't have plans on being in New York. No, no, I got plans in my mind that you don't know about just because it's not on my calendar means nothing to me, okay? I'm ready to go to New York. And because I'm committed completely to my success as a duty, I decided that a New York trip was on my calendar as I talked to Glenn. I don't need my personal assistant to tell me what's on my calendar. I'm like, I'm going to be there Thursday. See, I commit. Give yourself every advantage and give the person on the other end every opportunity to move forward with you. See what I'm doing? Don't add time. Don't add hesitation. Don't add doubt. And be hungry. Get everyone in your life reading from that same playbook. Don't wait until something good happens and then, then add time by checking with everybody else's calendar. Dude, this is average thinking, and this is what average people do. This only slows your momentum down. Be constantly prepared for success so you can grab the opportunity, you can wrap your hands around it, and grab all the freaking life out of it. So I get off the phone with the producer. I call Jen, my personal assistant, and say, Jen, i, I got to be in New York Thursday. She informed me. Look, you already got another commitment. You already got something, dude, that you 10x committed to, okay? And you, there is no way you can get out of this. You cannot reschedule Thursday. New problem, baby. Yes, indeedy weedy, okay? I'm moving in the right direction. New problems, not little old boring ass problems. So I immediately pick up the phone, the do it now strategy. I don't sit there and figure, figure, what am I going to do? What am I going to tell Glenn? I pick up the phone. I use the problem to actually allow me more communication with the new opportunity. You get it? Customer acquisition, not customer satisfaction.
So I pick up the phone, I call Glenn, and I tell the guy in New York, Glenn, I can't make it Thursday, dude. I, while I was committing to you, Jen already had something on my calendar. You know what he tells me? Man, that's perfect, man, because we don't, I don't have all the people in here anyway that I want you to meet. I'm like, man, that's great. It worked out for both of us. See, 10X is miracle maker, okay? Interesting, the new time that me and Glenn worked out turned out to be better than the one I committed to. The following week, I flew out to New York on my dime, by the way, commit. Had no clue of what I was doing, so what? I get there, I found out the company owner was tied up in another meeting because I asked for that beforehand. I said, hey, am I going to meet the owner? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I find out when I get out there that he's in another meeting. I told Glenn, I said, dude, come on, bro. I, I stood in line at the airport and through security longer than I'm asking to meet with this guy. You got to walk in there and tell him to meet with me. I persuaded him to ask the owner to give me the 10 minutes of FaceTime. Be unreasonable. I don't need to be nice here. I need to get in front of the guy FaceTime. I pleaded with the gatekeepers. Guys, come on. The guy owes me a handshake. Come on. Let me at least explain my vision to him. The owner reluctantly made time for me. And within five minutes, I could tell he was thrilled with the concept. He spent an hour with me, not five minutes, by the way. He said to me, look, anybody that believes in this project the way you do, anybody that has the belief and the clarity that you have about this project, I'll get behind you. The group then decided to start pitching my TV show to the networks. Not long after that, I received another phone call. This is unbelievable. I received another phone call from another group connected back in L.A., where I live, that is connected with a TV producer, Mark Burnett. They asked me to be a guest on the Joan Rivers show, How'd You Get So Rich?, which is ridiculous to me. I mean, almost ridiculous, because I don't consider myself rich. But of course, what do I say? I don't know. Let me see. Do I want to be on Joan's show? Dude, commit, commit. I need the attention. You need the attention. So I commit to being on the show. Just before the Joan Rivers people came out to shoot the episode, the, the group in New York sent out a crew to interview me for the material we're going to use with the networks for the pitch on the show in New York. When it was over, I called my new buddies in New York and give them the feedback. Dude, the interview we just did, there's no way that'll sell the show. They're like, what? You've never done TV. There is no way that interview will sell this show. The studio heads will either need to meet me so I can sell it myself, or we need to go shoot a piece where I'm actually in a company and showing them on camera how I can increase sales, and we capture that. I received a response that they normally don't do this, of course, until they get some level of interest from the network, of course. However, I went on to explain that the interview was too soft. The one that New York sent to do with me in my home was too soft. If they were committed to this, we really need to create a short piece, a teaser, a video reel that will show the networks that this is a show that everyone in America will want to watch, demonstrating exactly what people must do right now to create success in any business, in any city, during any economy, selling any products. Now, to keep fueling the fire, I continue to send both groups new information. Now, I got a guy in New York. I got people in L.A. I'm working both groups now because now I've met the Mark Burnett people with the Joan Rivers show. I happened to be in Las Vegas at that time doing a convention, taking care of my core business, right? Still doing the things that work, the proven tried things that were successful. And I noticed a camera crew shooting this piece. I walked up to him and said, guys, look, I'm trying to get a TV show right now. I'm pitching a group in New York and another group in L.A. 
and I want to send my associates a three-minute piece. Would you shoot an ad-lib piece for me? Give me that piece. I'm convincing them to actually do some work for me, right? I asked them to record an impromptu video where I'm going to get the attention of this convention space. I told them that if it worked, they would know that they helped make my TV show a reality. They looked at me and said, hey, let's help the guy get a TV show. I then recorded a three-minute video that I labeled, You Can't Handle the Truth. And you can find it on YouTube. It's crazy video. It's in your face, okay? The crew was kind enough to cut me a copy. We sent it to both groups, and both groups loved it. What am I doing here? I'm adding wood to the fire. I'm not waiting for them to stay excited or get excited or take action. I'm adding the wood. This kept them thinking about me constantly, okay, and furthering my cause, keeping the fire burning. This video even caused the group in New York to broaden those networks they were planning to pitch to. They loved it. The guy's like, hey, man, I love this. This is going to open me up to a couple of other networks. Now, my commitment to move the ball forward was starting to stoke their commitment and enthusiasm as well. I was adding wood to my own fire and certainly moving beyond the socially agreed upon norms of the TV world for sure. Just so you know, I also, for the most part, had no idea what I was doing most of the time. Look, courage is created through actions. The only thing I knew was that I was taking action that would accomplish a bigger goal. I was scared. I was worried about money. I was worried about the money I was investing. I feared rejection, just like most people along the way. I knew I was going to be turned down, but I knew that I was creating an entirely new set of problems, which, of course, was the signal that I was making the right moves. The next major event occurred when Joan Rivers came out to my house. We shot an episode with her. Of course, I share with Joan my ideas about a show. And she gave me the name of a couple of guys who were producing the show that I was on and said, you definitely need to talk to these people. I employed the method of reaching up, not sideways and not down. Okay, so Joan Rivers is above. I reach up. Joan, can you help me? Who can you connect me with? Can you pitch me with these people? Right. Many people would be like, I don't want to ask Joan Rivers for a favor. Why not? dude? If you, if you don't do it now, you're not going to get a chance to do it later. Okay. Is it uncomfortable? Absolutely. Could I be rejected? For sure didn't happen. She was happy to help me. So I employed the method of reaching up. I called the guys in LA. I request a meeting. Remember, I got a group in New York already interested in my project. Why am I doing this? Adding wood. I want to pitch this idea of a TV show just in case the guys in New York maybe lose interest in my project. Remember, never quit adding wood. Never quit taking action regardless of what other people are doing. When you think you've won the lottery ticket, okay, buy some more tickets. The group in L.A. liked the idea. They loved the idea. They got excited about the idea. It also didn't hurt that the producers of this show had already seen what I did for the Joan Rivers show. By this time, I had gone from one single idea with minimal support to having not one but two companies considering the possibility of a show. Even if both companies aren't interested, at least I'm staying excited and getting excited. Now, you got to know, I was in complete self-doubt when I went to this Paramount Studios to meet with this group in L.A. Just so you know what really goes on for people like me and you when they're moving into their range of success, okay? I'm driving to Paramount Studios in L.A. On the way over there, I call my wife. I'm like, dude, I don't even know if I were to go over here. I'm in total self-doubt, okay? I just, I'm telling you that to tell you that that can be a common response. I'm thinking to myself, these guys are just seeing me because they feel obligated. Why am I going there? There's no way they want to do this. So don't think for a moment that you can be confident and secure every step of the way. That's why I'm telling you that. I literally almost canceled this trip to Paramount on my way over thinking it was a waste of time. 
when my sense of duty kicked in, when some of those 32 characteristics of successful people kicked in, show up, dude, don't worry about it. Don't talk yourself out of it. Just keep moving forward. Yeah, I was scared and I really didn't know what I was going to talk about. Didn't know what I was going to do, but I did it anyway. Commitment, discipline. I had to remember that emotions are overrated and the boogeyman's job is to keep me down. Again, pay attention to the successful strategies. Keep them in front of you that I've illustrated because they guide you and your decisions and your actions. Now, I meet with the guys at Paramount. Upon meeting the members of the group, I was shocked to find out that they'd already spent time coming up with their own version of a show with me. All my fears about their lack of interest, like most fears, were completely unfounded. When both of these groups reached me, they both committed It's interesting. Both of these groups that researched me both commented, dude, it's like you're everywhere. Omnipresence. Although I clearly wanted to shout from the rooftops at this point, I knew I couldn't get too excited or stop to celebrate or pat myself on the back, but I had to keep pushing myself for more actions and more responsibility in order to keep moving things forward. Rather than waiting for one of the two companies to offer me a deal, I started calling retail companies to see if I could line up organizations that would be interested in being on the show. I'm basically taking on the role of the producer of the show and setting up companies that are saying, I'd be interested in being on your show. By the way, a show that I don't even have yet. Although this would normally be completely somebody else's job, number one, There's no deal or company to do this yet. Number two, I hate waiting. Number three, I want to move things forward to a point where no one can walk away. Lastly, I'm not leaving this up to anybody else. Was I being too aggressive? Acting in socially unacceptable ways? Breaking the agreed-upon rules? You bet I was, buddy. Could this offend someone? Absolutely. Hope it does. At least I'll get their attention. Look, if either of these groups say no to me, none of what I am doing will matter anyway, right? If they both bail out, what are they going to do? Think about that 10 years later? No way. It was interesting to me that when we called the companies to let them know about our show, not only were people interested in being on the show, they also started asking more questions about me, about how they could help me, about who I was and what I was doing. Interesting, we landed multiple new accounts by just making calls about the show. Action. I then informed the New York group that I'd been lining up organizations that wanted to be involved in this show. The producer said, dude, slow down. To which I replied, I can tell you I will, but I won't. I'll tell you I will, Glenn, but it ain't going to happen, bro. It's just not Emmy. He's like, you're exactly why we need to shoot a show, man. You're amazing. What did come out of this call was that the group in New York now agreed to shoot a teaser piece on the show. With that, we agreed to go shoot a Harley dealership that would make for a great visual and fantastic story, okay? After a dozen phone calls, we found a company willing to do this, but I still didn't have a commitment from New York. Yet once I told them that I had an ideal, ready place to go, look, they couldn't say no to me. They agreed to send a crew to shoot me for two days. Understand, when you keep pushing forward, something will result. At least you'll end up further down the street, right? I found myself no experience shooting a show. I'm flying to Fort Lauderdale now. No experience shooting a TV show, no script, no notes, no preparation, no idea of what I'm actually going to do, but I was on my way to shoot two days in the largest Harley store in the world with a camera crew. Commit first, figure the rest out later. I'm working with a group of people I've never worked with. Frankly, I was scared to death, so I don't think that that's a problem, okay? The only thing I knew for sure was I was going to go into this company and I could increase their sales. I knew I could do that. I kept one thing in mind. Fear is an indicator, 
that you're moving in the right direction, Grant. So to put myself at ease, I focused my attention on the future and reminded myself of my goals. On the way over to Fort Lauderdale, I reminded myself repeatedly that I could handle my fears and that I was going to have to do something like this sooner or later in my life. Otherwise, people would never come to know me, they'd never know about my abilities, and I would never be able to fulfill what I believe is my destiny and my obligation. Remember, your only real problem is obscurity. Remember that? It's your only problem. People don't know who you are. So I'd keep giving myself pep talks. Grant, obscurity is your only problem. Just show up. Be all in. Trust that creativity follows commitment. I'm pitching my own book to myself. Look at the number of successful traits that I'm employing as I do this. Can-do attitude. Believe that I'll be successful. Show up. Commit first. Figure the rest out later. Do it now, not later. Go in. Go in all the way. You know, be courageous. Do what you fear. Stay focused on your target. Be willing to be uncomfortable. Even if I failed, I knew my mindset and my actions were in the right place. Now, I may regret my performance once I show up. Hey, at least I won't regret not taking a shot. So we start shooting the teaser. Three hours into it, the producer says, Grant, look, man, it's great what you're doing, but we need something that really, really shows what you do beyond words, beyond explanations. We need to see what you teach actually happens on camera. Not an explanation. I need to see you jumping off the cliff now. I looked at the cameraman and said, turn it on and follow me. I then took over this Harley showroom floor by going from customer to customer, engaging each of them. I had clients getting on and off bikes. I was moving them around, taking photos with them, texting photos to their spouses at home with messages like, I'm going to sell your husband a motorcycle right now. It was fun. It was easy. It was powerful. It was fast. I was interacting with customers, handling objections, handling their resistance, handling their problems, selling motorcycles, okay, and recording all of it on camera at the same time. At the end of the first day, the producer looked at me and said, can you do this with any company anywhere? I'm sure you know my answer by now, but just in case, dude, I can do this in any company, anywhere, endless times, and show anyone selling anything how to increase their sales in any economy. I don't care what the product is or how bad their people are. He said, after what I saw today, I believe you. And the truth is, I believed in you before I even saw this. But now, America has to see this TV show. I asked him for one favor. Once you get an agreement to meet with the network with this teaser, allow me to pitch it with you. I knew I could sell the show better than anyone else. I knew I was in the best position to sell it because my commitment to my mission is deeper than anybody else. It's not about talent at this point or intelligence. It's about commitment to my mission. He agreed. Grant, when I get a shot to pitch it, I'll call you, you fly in, and you can pitch it with me. They went back to New York and started editing the piece. He called me the following week and told me how excited he was, but that the summer season was going to delay the project. He explained to me it would probably be another four weeks before we could pitch the reel, but he assured me that everyone will love it. I hadn't heard from him for about three weeks, so I started calling him. I knew I wouldn't get anywhere with this project without persistence. When we spoke, he confirmed that, you know, the group are still all in. We're still all in, man, but it's been four weeks, man. I reminded him of his commitment to me to involve me in the pitch when he finally got a meeting set up. He called me back a week later, 6.45 in the morning, told me the following, Grant. I was at the grocery store with my daughter, my morning ritual. He said, Grant, I got bad news. The networks don't want you to come pitch the show. They just want to start shooting it right away. Bing! 
the first thing I, I thought was the guy who had told me, for every show that gets picked up, there's 300 that get pitched. I'm like, dude, that's the first thing I thought about. The second thing I thought about was that person who told me that no one wanted to see a show on sales. Stay focused on your future, folks. Be unreasonable about your future. Continue to add wood to make your future a reality. And don't focus on what people say has been done before. You're not trying to create a past. You're trying to create a future. Don't focus on what they say can be done or what's possible. People are so caught up in their own negativity and their own losses that they give up on creating a future for themselves and spend all their time in the past. Others feel the need to criticize other people's ventures as a way to justify their own past giving ups. Never regard the impossible. Instead, stay focused on what you can do to make the supposedly impossible possible. It's a good thing I didn't bother to listen to all the naysayers and listen to their advice. So at this point in time, I can't tell you where the show's at. We haven't shot it yet, but everything is in place to do so, and we expect to release this coming year. My hope is this show will provide viewers with the direction and provide regular, everyday, average, common people like me and you the exact information they need in order to create success in any economy, anywhere, at any time. Market slowdowns, financial problems, challenges, and fears are not as powerful as you and your ability to dream big and act big at 10x levels. Look, no economy, no matter how bad, can hold down a goal that is followed by enough actions. Now, I've shared this story with you to show you how I've employed many of the concepts discussed in this book in order to achieve the goals of expanding my own footprint. I am just like you, no more talented and no more certain, but I am using 10x thinking and 10x actions. This isn't just an audio program for you to listen to. This is what you have to do in order to make it in the world today. The world no longer rewards talk. You and I must not just talk the talk. We must walk the walk. This should help you realize that 10X will work for you and everyone. And that was the purpose of this story. This short story isn't really about me. It's a guide for you of what you have to do. You have no idea how many people throughout my life have laughed, criticized, and raised their eyebrows, including family members, about the things that I've dreamed of doing in my life. You don't know how many hundreds of thousands of phone calls I've made that went nowhere. You don't know about literally tens of thousands of emails to which no one ever responded to me. You have no idea how many people, even my supporters, suggested me that I may be pushing beyond the limits and putting myself at risk. I've spent 30 years preparing and studying, making mistakes and taking action, all of which has allowed me to develop discipline. A discipline that I not always had. Look, training and learning are absolutely critical to your follow-through and the development of courage, persistence, unreasonable thinking, and especially discipline. I keep reminding myself that when it comes to dreams and goals, there is no being reasonable or rational, and there is no distinguishing between the possible and the impossible. I think you'll agree that it's impossible for you to ever do anything exceptional if you continue to live your life with thinking and actions that are mediocre. Big thinking Massive actions, expansion, and risk-taking are necessary for your survival and your future growth. Staying small, being quiet, are just ways to continue being small and staying quiet. Keep thinking this way, and sometime in the very near future, no one will be able to see you, they won't be able to hear you, and they won't be aware that you even exist.
Commit to 10x thinking and 10x actions. This is the major difference between the successful and the unsuccessful. It's not about intelligence. It's not about economics or even who you know. Because without massive action, intelligence, economics, and who you know won't matter. I still have many of my long-term goals and targets to yet meet. I haven't made the show yet. Six million people don't know me yet. There's countless other things I still want to accomplish. Many I haven't even thought of yet, I'm sure. However, I do know that I'm moving in the right direction. I also know, and want you to know again, that this is not about me being more special or having some unique quality. It's simply about operating with 10x thinking and 10x actions. Make your fire so big and so hot that others will have no choice but to sit around in amazement. You will never have all the answers. Your timing will never be perfect. There will always be obstacles, challenges, and difficulties. However, you can always count on one thing. Taking massive actions consistently and persistently and then following those up with more fourth-degree massive actions are the only way, the only sure way to ensure yourself of the success you deserve and desire. Always go all in on massive action. Let the rest of the world operate at the first three degrees of action and watch them spend their lives fighting over bits and pieces, the scraps and leftovers. Look around you and you will see a world filled with average people, average thinking, and at best, average actions. Take another look. What you will really see behind this acceptance of average are people who have given up on their dreams and who cease to live with a dynamic purpose. They are instead willing to settle for whatever their estimation of normal is. When you're choosing the people whom you will learn from, look for the exceptional people, those who stand out because of the way they approach their lives, because of the actions they take. Don't worry about how they're special. Don't focus on how they're different. Focus on how they think and how they act and how you can duplicate that. Success is not a choice. Success is not an option. Success is your duty to operate at the right level of thoughts and actions. So follow through on your responsibility, your responsibility and your duty to leave a footprint on this planet so that when you're done with your tour of duty, you'll be remembered for approaching your life with nothing less than the biggest of dreams and the most remarkable of actions. Remember, success is your duty, obligation, and responsibility. And by thinking at 10x levels and taking 10x actions, I am confident you will create more success than you have just dreamed of.